When are you going back to Botswana? I'm going back next month. Um, they're in the process. They've, they're trying to make me a shareholder of a safari company so I can get a work visa, so I can spend more time there. And I've got to go over that. It takes a long process. And the other reason is that Jerry's gotten busy, and we've got an event coming to my own Botswana, and he wants me to handle that. And uh, a little, little um, how many of y'all know who Rodney Howard Brown is? We're gonna do, I'm going to be doing a service with him. Um, but anyway, turn on that. Turn dim the lights real quick. So I'll be there at that, and you won't. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah, that's, you know that's that's what's what's so funny to me is that you know June, July, and August—they're just terrible at church. It's just it's, I try to stay gone as much as I can just because I get depressed. No, I'm I'm joking. But um, while I was gone this time, I remember last year. Last fall, I said, it's grow time. Look around you, the people that you see, you're going to see more of and more of and more of. And here we are in the hottest part of the winter, have so many people out taking their, taking their kids to college and getting them moved in their dorms. And I'll have got, um, Jody and Devin, Greg and Angel, uh, Joel and Serena. You know, they think jo Joseph's there, so... Um, they went down there for that. But, but to see the hottest time of the year, the air conditioner not working, we still got pretty much got a full house. You see, because when God's working like he's working in this thing, man, I don't have to be here. Y'all were doing more and better without me than you were with me here. Why? Because I was doing what I was supposed to do at that particular time, and y'all were doing what you were doing at, the, at this particular time. Just a matter, man, of commitment. Just to commit to something. Stick with it and go, you know? But anyway, um, several years ago, Taylor was getting out of um, uh, Christ of Nations, and he had to do an internship program. And I think it was Peru or Philippines or somewhere he wanted to go. I couldn't remember which one it was. Huh? Mozambique. Okay, wrong continent. So... <laughs> Anyway, we, we just built a church in Mozambique. Did you know that? <laughs> so we did. Uh, we, we got in partnership with Christ for the Nations and C3 Los Angeles and built a church in Mozambique. Um, but anyway, I don't know why I said this. I just felt like it was a God thing, you know. I mean, I felt it when I said, I said, no, you need to go to the Dream Center. He said, I don't want to go to the Dream Center. He said, I don't want to go out there. And, 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 but he ended up going. And now he's got a wife and a kid, and it's all my fault. Because yeah. <laughs> I sent him to where they were. No, I'm joking. It had nothing to do with me. But uh, they did an amazing work in California. Now they're in Utah doing work out there. And uh, I'm just so proud of 
all the potato would come. All three of them. Anyway, stand to your feet. Let's honor God's man. Taylor Wilson. All right. We doing all right this morning? Woo! All right. Yes, please sit down. All righty then. Let me open this bad boy up. Man, as we were praying, um, even just months ago when we were planning on being here and getting this opportunity, I always get excited when I get to come here. And you can even ask Tia because I was like, I get jittery. I'm just like, ooh. Because there's some places where you have to till the soil, plant the seed, and reap the harvest all in the, big, all in the midst of 30 minutes. Uh, and then there's some places where you get to come in and it's just easy. It's easy to operate. It's easy to kind of just do whatever you feel like God's doing. You don't have to lay a foundation and get rid of some religious tendencies and all that kind of stuff. And so I always get excited because you never know what you're going to see here, but you know that you could see almost just about anything. Uh, God can do whatever he wants to do here. I love this place, the feeling of family here. Um, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you guys so I just thank you so much for always believing in me, sending us out, and uh, just sowing into us. But I, I'm just so thankful for this opportunity. But whenever I was praying, I felt like one of the things that, and I, typical preacher, I'm going to say something before I say something. Um, and whenever I was praying about what I was going to share here, um, one of the things the Holy Spirit I felt like kind of put on me was Ezekiel 37. If you don't know Ezekiel 37, this is about dry bones. Anybody heard something about dry bones before? Come on. All right. So I'm going to read it, and I didn't give it to my man back there because it was literally last minute, so it's not his fault. It's mine. If I was a really good Christian, I'd have gave him all my notes way beforehand, but I am still learning. Amen. All right. So I'm going to read it. And I just want to point a few things out because I feel like God is putting flesh on bones today. What do I mean by that? I mean that there's been places where you've been discouraged. There's dreams that have went and died. There's things that you were once excited about, but then when they didn't come to pass, you forgot about them. And they're in that box in your house that's dry and crusty and you never bring it out and you don't let people go into that room, into that attic, into that part of the house. None of y'all have a part of the house like that. All right, me neither. I don't know what I'm talking about. But this is what it says. It says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. I want to stop right there because the man, the prophet didn't ask God. God asked the man. And so some of you are sitting here and you're looking at bones and it's not you asking if they can live, it's God asking. God is asking you, do you think these bones can live? Because I'm wondering where that conversation would have went if the man would have been like, ooh, because some of you, whenever we get in our time with Jesus and he starts asking questions like that, start making noises instead of saying, hey, it's only you that knows. 
Then he said to me, God said to him, he said, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I'll attach tendons to you, make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. And I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. God didn't say, watch me as I prophesy to them. He said, I'm going to give you a word to speak over them. And so as we're looking at these bones, we're not asking God if they can live. God is asking us, do we think that He can do what only He can do to make them live? And then not only do we stop there, He's going to say, okay, now I want you to speak to them. Because God can say it, the Word can say it, your pastor can say it, and we could all pray it, but if you don't believe it, they'll never come to life. They'll never come to life. He said, so I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise and a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared to them, and the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. He gives them another prophecy, and he said, so I prophesied as he commanded me. Breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up in their feet, a vast army. See, I don't know where some of you are. Some of you may be in the first prophecy. Some of you may be in the second, but some of you will give up before you get to the second because God said, hey, there's going to be breath that comes, and then you see part of it come into fruition, but then it doesn't get completed, and you give up. You stopped. You say, well, I guess that's all God really wanted for me. Even though He told me this, even though the Word says this, I give up. He said He wanted my family whole. He said He wanted my family blessed. He said that there was healing for me on the table. But I guess all I'm going to get to do is just be as comfortable as I can get right now. But is that what He said? No. He stopped and He said, I want you to prophesy again. He said, so I prophesied as He commanded me. And they came to life and they stood up on their feet, a vast army. And then the God begins to tell him, this is the army of Israel. But I just felt like today in this message, the thing that I'm supposed to share is on faith. And there's not a better house to share about faith in than this one. I, I know, I'm com- like, <laughs> there, there, this is a great house to be able to preach faith. And I'm not going to be able to do it as much justice as Paul Gray. I know that. But I want to talk about faith in a different context. Because, like I said, I get excited when we come here because I know when you preach faith, stuff happens. People begin to believe. Stuff happens. And we are no strangers to signs, wonders, miracles, casting out of devils, the stuff that the book of Acts talks about, and I'm all for it. Let's do it, right? But I, also, I, I want to, sometimes I want to clear up what faith is. Sometimes we see faith as being like a superstition at times. Well, if I do this enough, if I keep quoting this, and if I get to the right room with the right song and the right Bible scripture, and if I open up my daddy's Bible that was really anointed because it was touched by this person and that person, and I haven't said a cuss word in three days, I know God's going to (laughs) move. And I hadn't walked under a single ladder, not a mirror has broken, nothing. And you're doing all this weird stuff thinking that you're going to like manipulate God and twist His arm into doing something. Some of you fast because you think you're going to gain credit with God through fasting. Like, well, I haven't ate in six days, so I know God has to move now. Some of y'all have gone on more hunger strikes towards God than you have fasted. 
You fasted more for your desires to come to pass rather than knowing what the perfect, pleasing will of God is. You've missed the point, thinking that whatever tendencies and superstitions that you would have is going to strong-arm God into doing something. I don't want a faith like that. I want a faith that sees what God sees. I want a faith that's going to put me in a place to do what only God can do. I don't want the will of Taylor, even if God permits it. I want the will of God. I just want to be there. And if you're not careful, you'll hear testimony after testimony of what God's done with incredible faith and this person got healed and this nation this and blah, 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 blah. And you'll begin to define your faith by stories and testimonies other than what the Word of God says. And so whenever your story doesn't line up with the story that you hear on stage, you'll think that your, your faith is nothing. you begin to compare. Well, I believed and I didn't see my family healed. So is my faith a waste? We're going to get into some deep questions this morning. I hope you're ready. I remember whenever I was growing up, we, we lived in Elm Grove, and we had a little farm. We had horses and stuff like that. And I remember Christmas time came, and I, I tell you, as a kid, man, Christmas was awesome for me. Um, Santa did me real good. And, uh, I, you know, what I got more excited about was not the presents that were wrapped, but Santa, for me, what he would do is um, he, I would have presents that were wrapped, but if I got, and I would get up so early, um, because you're so excited, right? And I would get out, and, I, and I'd run down the hall, and you would see presents that were wrapped, but then there was a few, and there was like a display set up. Oh, man, it was awesome. Because you knew Santa had done came in. He done did his thing. And I remember one year, uh, you know, I, I was so excited, and I wake up Christmas morning, Christmas, Christmas Eve, late night, maybe even. I was so excited, and I ran down the hall. And I see the display. And then on the display, there was a letter. It wasn't like notebook, paper, anything like that. It was a typed letter from Santa Claus himself. No big deal. If y'all never got this letter, it's fine. He just likes me more. So, I'm just saying. So I began to read the letter, and I can't, my, my mom, I found out yesterday, still has it, because I told her, I said, I'm going to share this story. Um, and she goes, I still have the letter if you want it. And I said, you know, that's great. Uh, <laughs> I'm so glad Tia's like that, because I'd be like, man, that letter's old, throw it out. But, you know, I don't remember exactly what it said. If I had to guess, probably how good of a boy I was. Right? Amen. And uh, my mom was speaking in faith, maybe. Uh, you're such a good boy. You are great. <laughs> you are well-behaved. Um, but whenever I was reading it, I got to the end, and he goes, and I want you to go check the barn. There's something else for you. So I said, glory to God. No. <laughs> but I throw the note. I start running out the house. I'm barefoot trying to come into the barn, throw the door. There's a big barn door, so I throw the barn door open. And there it was. It was a green Eton 94-wheeler. Oh, yeah, it was green, had the tan seat, had a big old red bow on it. So I jumped on it, of course, turned the key. Let me be real. I took off. Almost sounded like a pickup truck coming out. No, it, i tell you what, that was the loudest weed eater you ever heard coming out of the barn. 
And we had a gravel road that came down to our house. So I'm out there throwing rocks and trying to be cool and whatnot. About 20 minutes later, I run it into the back of our truck. No big deal. <laughs> it still drove. It just had a crack fender. Gave it character. But what is faith? See, whenever I was reading the letter, you know what Santa's nature is. You know what Santa's tendencies are. And so whenever I'm reading it and I get to the end and it says, go check the barn, you know what I didn't do is I didn't go, well, to whom was this letter written? And who wrote it? And what was the time frame? And let me study this guy. Not that there's anything wrong with studying. But I didn't sit there. but, but, But my belief, my faith in the nature of this man that I knew to be led me to do something. It led me to action. And so whenever I think about faith, faith is knowing and having a confident expectation of good. Even when my senses... I've never seen Santa drop a present off at my house. But they're there. So what is faith? What is faith? See, Hebrews 11.1, this is the most famous verse. If you've heard it before, just act like you haven't. Whenever it gets pulled up, I want you to go... Like you've never seen it. All new revelation. You guys with me? Is it there? Okay, nobody made a noise, so. All right. <laughs> what does Hebrews 11 one says? It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Not seen. So faith is having the confident expectation of good and being confident of something that doesn't appeal to my five senses. I can't see it. I can't touch it. I can't hear it. I can't feel it. I can't smell it. But I'm confident. I'm confident. See, faith is something we can't please God without. I can't please God without faith. Faith isn't a feeling. Faith isn't a feeling. Faith isn't the currency that I have to a vending machine of what I want to get from God. It's not. Some of you think I can have whatever desire that I have. If I just show up to this big vending machine and I say, well, I, I need a new house, so I'm just going to, if I just keep quoting these scriptures and I go back to these superstitions and you've placed your faith more in superstitions and in your works than you have the finished work of Jesus, if I keep doing this, I can get whatever I want out of here. Faith is believing what God says is true and that He's good even when I don't understand when it doesn't work out the way that I planned it, what I expected or I had hoped. You see, we think sometimes if we get our definition of faith by testimonies and things that we hear, we'll think that, that if our faith doesn't end in that, then what we have is not valid. See, faith is believing God is telling the truth and that He's good even when I don't get to dictate what good is in that situation. Faith is being able to see the miracle that comes when it's not the miracle that you prayed for. I've, I, once, I, got this, I stole this from, from Pastor Paul. But faith isn't the way for me to deny my situation and what's happening in my life, but it's a way for me to defy whatever's in front of me. Faith doesn't make me say, well, it's not here. I just, I just because I believe, I'm going to close my eyes. It's not a blind faith. It's a confident faith. 
Faith is building an ark when you haven't seen the rain. Faith is being faced with the fiery furnace and saying, our God will save us, but even if He doesn't, I'm not going to bow. I'm not going to bow. Romans 8, this is a really popular scripture that we love. At Romans 8, 28, He makes all things work together for the what? Good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose in Christ Jesus. And sometimes if we're not careful, we'll think that if we don't see good, then our faith isn't working. But our faith really isn't at work when everything is, is good. Our faith is working when we're letting Him work them together. When He's working all of those things together and you're stuck in the middle from faith to faith, from glory to glory, and you're saying, I don't know, I haven't seen a glimpse of good. I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, but I'm sitting here and I'm still walking with Him. I'm still talking with Him. I'm still standing in faith. I'm walking with a confident expectation of good and He's working these things together. This is faith. You know, faith is something that's only as strong as whatever it's attached to. Faith is only as strong as whatever it's attached to. That's why the author of, he, of Hebrews writes the whole entire book. He wants them to know, he wants the Hebrew people to know that the substance of the shadows that they saw in the Old Testament has come to pass in the New. Because see, in the Old Testament, they were believing that maybe they could gain some righteousness through continuous ceremonial cleansings. And if we wash our hands at this time, and if we do this thing at that time, then we'll be cleansed. And if we offer this sacrifice or that sacrifice, then we'll be okay. But it was all a show. It was all outward cleansing. You can read it in Hebrews. He goes, this is all ceremonial. It does not cleanse your conscience. So to place, this is what the author is wanting them to go, or wanting them to know, is that you don't place your faith in ceremonies. You don't place your faith in superstitious deeds. But that you would, whatever you place your faith in, is all, it's, your faith is only as strong as what you place it in. And so if you're placing it in your works, it's powerless. If you're placing it in yourself, Powerless. Circumstance, powerless. Discipline, powerless. Church attendance, powerless. And some of these things are so great at building your faith, but if your faith is more in whatever you're doing to conjure it up, powerless. Because if you got all this faith in yourself, you'll only see what you can do. And if you've got all this faith in what your works can bring, uh, bring in, in front of you, powerless. I say it's powerless because it's powerless compared to whenever you place it in Jesus. When you place it in His finished work. So when you place your faith in the work of Jesus and in the Word of God, what happens? Because faith does stuff. Faith does stuff. Amen? So what's a few things that faith does? Faith provides. I say provides because there's certain things that with faith it happens right then. Like as soon as you believe, boom, this has happened, right? What's one of the things? It provides you righteousness. Now that's a big churchy word. And I hate church talk. I hate it. I despise it. Whenever you talk and you do all this Christianese and people that don't know Jesus can't understand it, I think it's pointless. Um, because if you've got unbelievers in your church and they walk out and they say, I have no idea what they said. Congratulations. You led nobody to Jesus. You just made more people confused. So what is righteousness? Righteousness means to be in right standing with God. How many of you ever got in trouble at school? Okay, all right. Well, we got a few honest people in here. The rest of y'all, 
There'll be an altar call later. You guys can repent. But you ever got in trouble like early in school and the teacher said, I'm going to call your parents. I'm going to let them know. And you're like, the rest of the day, you're just like thinking about what your parents is going to do whenever you get home. Oh, man. Oh, man. When I get home, they're going to give me that talking to. We're going to have that come to Jesus. Some of y'all had the laying on of hands going on at y'all's house. Some of y'all only got time out. It shows, but that's okay. That's okay. But you know that tension you got whenever you came into the room and you could just, you knew that they knew and they knew that you knew and you were like, man, there is some friction in the room. Or your spouse has told you, hey, don't leave your shoes in the middle of the floor. And this is about the 10th time, but she's only said it once, right? This is the first time you're hearing it is whenever she gets mad. That's a joke. That's all right. But then there's this friction in the room, but then you talk about it, you resolve it, things get happy, and then all of a sudden you get right back into right standing. You do, there's no friction in the room. You don't feel like you have to duck your head or tuck your tail or creep around to get somewhere. Faith provides that for you. This is what it says in Romans 10.10. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, the, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. So what is Paul saying here? He goes, listen, you're not going to be able to be called righteous in God's sight because you've done all these good works or that you've done the works of the law. But the law was there to make you conscious that you messed up. So verse 21 says, But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. What does that mean? It means apart from the, apart from the law, we would have never known what God was wanting from us. And then the righteousness is given through faith. This is what verse 22 says. Righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who, what? Believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So by faith in the finished work of Jesus, I now, there's no reason for me to feel like there's anything between me and God. There is no page unturned. There's nothing. Because whenever we look at the work of Jesus, we say it's enough, and now I'm in right standing. Amen. All right. What's something else it provides? It provides salvation. So your, say, so your salvation, what I mean by that is that you're saved from the wrath of God, the penalty of sin, along with eternal hell, and then also you're saved from yourself. You're saved from yourself. Ephesians 2.8 says this, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, this is the gift of God. So let me, let me break this down. It says that by grace through what? Faith. Okay, I'm just making sure you guys are here with me. I don't think anybody's had a heat stroke yet, so we're good. So by grace, God has given you the gift of salvation. So if I wanted to give uh, Pastor Ginger my water, and I said, hey, this is your water. You haven't done anything to earn it, deserve it. It's all yours. I drank a little bit. You can still have it, though. It's by grace. She's done nothing. It's unmerited favor that it's there. But if she is going to actually take what I am giving her, what is she going to have to do? She's going to have to get up. She's going to have to come and grab it. She's going to have to drink of it. And so God, has, in, in being so rich in mercy, has given you a gift with unmerited favor of salvation unto you. 
If you, if you are sitting there and you're like, I don't know if salvation is for me. Jesus, on, I'm telling you, the finished work of Jesus, he is reaching out his hand to you and he goes, listen, it is by my grace that I am here. Do you have faith to receive me today? Do you have a confident expectation that I am who I say I am? By faith, we receive salvation. Something else that it does is it, make, it gives us justification. It means for me to be free from guilt and penalty of sin. Romans 5 says this, Therefore we have been justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Faith gives us sonship. This is, this is a huge one for me because I'm a firm believer that when you grab your identity in Jesus, I'm going to tell you, you're going to be a force, man. You're going to be a force. Some of you are sitting there with dry bones now because you've forgotten this one thing. You've forgotten who you are. You've left the promises. You've despised them. And now you're living in so much condemnation that that box keeps getting further and further away. The bones keep getting drier and drier because it's harder and harder for you to believe that what God has said about you is true. It gives you sonship, your identity in Christ. John 1, 12 says this, Yet to all who did receive Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. It makes a way for me to be a new creation. 2 Corinthians tells me in verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The new creation has come and the old has gone and the new is here. I know I'm giving you a lot of Scripture, but I didn't want to give you a list and nothing to back it up. And if you guys want these notes, I, did, I told you, if I was a good Christian, I'd have gave it to him way beforehand, but I didn't. But if you want these, you want this list of Scripture or whatever, I will give it to you. You just let me know. I'll drop it. You can have my stories, all of it. I don't care. Go preach it somewhere. Eternal, or don't, whichever. Uh, eternal life. Faith gives me eternal life. In John 3, 36, it says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. See, with faith, all of those things and more are immediately accredited to you in faith. But faith in Jesus doesn't just provide me things, it produces things in me. There's things that come in an instant and there's things that come over time. So what, is it, what does it produce? The testing of faith produces perseverance and steadfastness and endurance in my relationship with God. So James says, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And then it says this, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's you guys, that's some of you in this room. You got to let perseverance do its work. You're sitting here trying to cast out perseverance. You're trying to cast out the things that God's trying to persevere in you. And you're saying, man, I really wish you would change this, and I really wish you'd take me out of that. And God said, it hasn't finished its work. I may not have sent it, but I'm really good at using it. I may not, this may not have been my plan, but I'm going to repurpose that bad boy. And whenever you come out of this, I'm telling you, I can't deliver you out of this because whenever I, I have to let perseverance do its work, I have to let this testing of faith in you do its work. Faith produces obedience. This is a scripture I did give him in 11.8. I want to go to Hebrews 11.8. Faith produces obedience. 
It says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, what did he do? He obeyed. And then he went. And even though he did not know where he was going. See, when you believe, you'll do. When you believe, you'll do. Some of you have been lied to and said, well, you got to fake it till you make it. I don't like that. I don't think that's real. I, I, I think you're faking it. And I don't want to be cheesy, but I don't fake it till I make it. We seek till we find. It's a big difference. Because I'm not going to put on a face and I'm not going to pretend, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to continue to seek until I find. And that's why some of you, you're, whenever I was praying, I saw some of your walks going like this. It's like a roller coaster. Because you're like, well, I'm faking it and things are going good. I'm real high. And then life happens, and you come back down here, and then faking it doesn't work down here. Faking it doesn't work when the rain comes, when the wind blows. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. But faith produces the impossible as well, and you guys know all about this. Luke 18, it says, All things are possible for those who believe. Jesus replied, What is impossible with man is possible with God. But this is the big one. This next one. Faith produces change. Faith produces change. Your pastor was just telling me a minute ago, he goes, man, people don't know why I love to go to Botswana, but they've never seen a Botswana and repent. Because sometimes we only ask for forgiveness, but they repent. Big difference. But that's what change is. When you believe things change, you change. We went to a restaurant the other day, for Tia's birthday. Tia celebrated her birthday August 1st, and, um, and we went, and we got into this restaurant, and we went and sat down, and there was this fire, and, or what I thought it was, and so we go and we sit down, and there's this fire going on behind us, and, but I never felt any heat. It was just like there, and so somebody that was with us asked, he goes, does that thing not put off any heat? And they go, oh no, it's just lights and fog. I was like, huh, that's kind, of, that's kind of cool. So I brought Eden over there, and she's like sticking her hand in it. I hope I didn't teach her anything. But um, next time she sees fire, no. Um, but he goes, yeah, it's funny because kids will get around, and they'll go, ooh, it's so hot because they're thinking it's fire. But then the people that are far off will think, man, that's pretty cool. They have a real fire over there. They don't know the difference. And see, some of us have had this fire that's just lights and fog. And when people are far away from you, see, you can come on Sunday mornings and people can go, man, they got the fire of God on them. Look at them. They, look at all those lights. Look at all that fog. Man, I bet you that's good stuff. Wow, look at how anointed. Look, man, look at the way they, they play that guitar. Look at the way that they pray. Look at the way they do this. But, you know, I was sitting right next to that fire and nothing was warm. It wasn't consuming anything. And so you can put on that show all you want to when you come up in here. But when you go home, those people know. That's why some of you are so scared to get in community because you're afraid they're going to find out what you really got. And I love you, but I know there's more for you. There's more for you than lights and fog and a production and faking it. I believe there's more. And if eternity is as real as what we're portraying, I would suggest we start getting real. I just, man, and life is too short to be faking this stuff. 
And why fake it when you can have a real thing? I think about change. I think about what faith produces. I think about Saul to Paul. I think about Peter turning to a fisher of men. I think of Zacchaeus. I think of people even in this church. You look around you see what God has done. They used to be here and now they're here. And it's not by work. It's by faith. It's it's changed them. Because faith in the gospel should create repentance and change. It should move me in a new direction. Because if you can tell me that you're a Christian, but nothing has visibly changed in your life, I don't know if that's a biblical conversion. I don't read that in here. I don't read that. And I don't say that to shame you. I say that to tell you that you are missing out. Nobody had a radical encounter with Jesus and said, man, that was so cool. I'm going to go back now. And Jesus didn't even give them permission to do that. He goes and He tells them this. Most people can't even preach this in a pulpit nowadays, but He goes, go and sin no more. You talk about the emails that you would get if you told people that nowadays. Go and sin no more. Well, let me just tell Him something. You think you're just so perfect. You can't even preach that now. I I will, but there's only a few places that will let you do it. Why? Because faith creates change. And see, whenever I read that letter from Santa, like I told you, I didn't study it. I didn't go and see who the author was. I didn't check the penmanship. I didn't go and read commentaries on it. It made me move. Because I didn't think Santa was playing some cruel trick on me. That I was going to show up and be disappointed. I was going to show up and not see something. But it led me to move. And at times, we spend so much time trying to make sure that things are certain in our hearts and in our minds, certain to ourselves before we move, and that's why you've never moved. Because the enemy of faith is certainty. It's not fear. Fear is perverted faith. But the opposite of faith is being certain. The opposite of faith is being certain. So if you're like, I know we have enough money, I know we have enough time, I know we have all of these things, and da, da, da. I'm going to tell you, I'm going I'm I'm to break a secret to you. That's probably not Jesus. But when you show up and you go, I don't know how we're going to do it, I don't know where the money's going to come from, I don't know how we're going to have enough time, now we're talking about Jesus. Now we're talking about Jesus. Because whatever is not done in faith is what? Sin. That's what the Bible tells us. See, faith in His Word makes me move. I had to move to see what He was promising me, what was written in the letter. See, faith produces change, and when it's an action, I begin to walk in faith. Faith propels me. It moves me. And if your faith doesn't move you, I would suggest maybe you have a feeling and not faith. See, our lives are described in the Word of God as a walk of faith. Let me break that down. What is a walk of faith? Because that sounds really good in churchy and it sounds really good on a Hobby Lobby sign, but what does it mean, right? Our house walks by faith. What does that mean? Does that mean every day you're just like, oh, Lord, please give us the ham and cheese that we're going to eat later on today. Glory to God. Walking in faith means living every day like God's telling the truth. Living every single day like God's telling the truth. But our lives are described as walks of faith, a good fight of faith, a righteous live by faith. It says our faith, our faith moves, our faith in Jesus to act like a verb. Now, this is not a new message to this church. There's literally signs telling you to do something as you walk in. 
But Hebrews 11, 8, we'll go back to it. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, he obeyed, and then what did he do? He went. He couldn't obey unless he went, and he couldn't have went unless he obeyed. They run hand in hand. So faith propels me. Faith moves me. Faith propels me to build the boat, to split the sea. It helps me to walk on water, to do the impossible. Whenever I think about that story, I love it. It's one of my favorite stories whenever Peter walks out, and we give Peter so much flack for sinking. I feel Peter. And the disciples probably giggled, whatever. But he's the only disciple that walked out on water. He's the only one that took steps. And some of you are defining your faith by the sinking instead of the steps that you took. And you're sitting there and you're so discouraged and you're like, well, they all saw me fall. They never stepped out. You're not even supposed to be looking at them anyways. It's why we got in this situation. Because Peter never stepped out because the water was calm. Peter didn't step out because of anything else other than the calling of that Jesus had and he believed and he had faith and he begins to step. And then when he looks at the things around him, what does he begin to do? He begins to sink. And some of you are saying, well, that's what my legacy will be. I started out good, but then I sank. But that's not how the story ends. Story doesn't end there. It's not over. It's not over. Because you're thinking this walk of faith, this fight of faith, that some, I don't know what you're thinking this weird destination is, but you're literally walking with Jesus every day. The destination was found when you found Him. Your reward was found when you found Him. You've got some weird Western society thing going on in your brain where you're thinking you're going to climb this ladder of importance and all this kinds of stuff. You could not be more important. Jesus knows you and you know Him. That's it. You've, you've found it. You've made it. That's it. That's the end. Now all you have to do is walk with Him. But you're thinking, if I get to this point and if I don't have these thoughts and I don't... Stop! Think about Him. Quit thinking about your fallacies and the things that you fall short. You've placed more faith in your obedience than His salvation. You're thinking God's going to move more because you, did, you were a good boy rather than He's a good God. Stop it. That's no better than you sitting up here trying to offer up sacrifices. It's all powerless. See, faith has the same definition. We covered the definition, but I know that not everyone has had the same experience when it comes to the word faith. Some have believed and seen. We've got miracles and miracles and miracles in the house. And I love that. But you know something else that I love? Is when people can share stories and they said, it's not what I thought it was going to be. I believed for this, but it may be not what I thought it was going to be. But, I'm still, but I still believe God's good. I still believe God's good. Hebrews 11, you can start in verse 35. There's, a, there's this whole list of these heroes of faith. And what I love is says they didn't see what they were believing for in their lifetime, but they still obeyed. Would you still obey God if you didn't get to see the promises that He's given to you in your lifetime? 
It says that some faced jeers and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They were went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated, and the world was not worthy of them. And they wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. And this is what the Bible calls faith. If we were to preach that here, we would get said, well, you live like that because you don't have enough faith. Well, my Bible says I'm the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Something's not adding up here. I think our definition's a little off. But it says, yet they were commended for their faith, and none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us that only together will they be made perfect. See, whenever you start talking about faith, you have to answer some really hard questions. And as a pastor, as a leader, as somebody who's got any kind of whatever, you begin to hear these questions of, well, why did that happen to these and not to those? And why did this person get healed? And why did that person not get healed? And you can feel this type of pressure to have to know all the answers. And I want to tell you, I don't know. If you don't have people in your life that'll tell you I don't know and they have every single answer, get away from those people. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know every reason of why this stuff happens. And when you find out that these people think they know, when you have God figured out, you don't know God. Let me just put it that way. I could tell you a story. Whenever I was in Mexico, I, um, we were doing these small group things, and we were seeing God do amazing miracles and amazing, just legs growing out, eyes straightening, casting out devils. Saw a lady get healed of Parkinson's in her house. It was crazy. It was wild. While I was on that trip, you can, you can ask Sandra, I got really bad sick. And I started having pain in the bottom of my feet. I started getting arthritis in all of my joints. I started getting hives. And I, they take me to the clinic. And they said, yep, he's got, now they're speaking a lot of Spanish, and so I'm, I'm slowly catching here and there, and I'm not being able to put it together. And they said, yep, he's got it. And I said, that's never good. When they say, yeah, he's got it. And I was like, what, what has he got? Yeah? They said, he's got the chikungunya. And I said, oh, Lord, call the family. Let them know. This is it. This is a wrap. Nobody's ever, lived, nobody's ever got chikungunya and, 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 and persevered. Not in my mind at that moment. Anyway, so they gave me some drugs, and I was out a couple days later. We were at this group, and they bring this seven-year-old little girl. I remember the grandparents brought her up, and she was just wailing. She had the same thing I had. She had chikungunya, and I said, oh, girl, it was good knowing you. Praise the Lord. Lord, do what you can. No. But they bring her up, and they said, yeah, she's got this. And I'm sitting there, and I'm still limping around. I've got pains in all my joints. And I lay hands on her. And she goes from crying, and I love kids because kids won't fake it. Amen. But she just goes, and runs off and starts playing with other kids. Totally healed right there on the spot. God moved. It was awesome. I was still hurting. It made no sense to me. Now, that's kind of a soft example, but I remember in 2020, whenever we began to find out some stuff about my dad, my for you guys that don't know, my dad went missing in 2020, and then we found out about a month later that an associate of his had um, took his life. And I just remember in that month not knowing what you're praying for. You don't know. And to be honest, I, I just kept going to work, and I would weep in the morning. I would go to work. We'd go on outreach, and they'd say, oh, won't you stay home today? And I said, no. And I'm, this is not a prescription to you. This is just the way that my mind went. 
because my dad's missing. There's a bunch of different theories coming up, and they're saying, why don't you just stay at home and rest and kind of get your mind right? And I said, I just don't do that. I'm just not going to do that because I know what's going to happen whenever I get home. It's going to be rough. But I'm going to go out, and I'm going to start to make the devil pay. I'm just going to... He poked a bear. Let's just point it that way. And then we find out a month later, and you guys may have seen it on the news, they found remains here and there, and it was, it's a hot mess. We didn't get to have his funeral until that July, and then we're still waiting to have a case. That's why I came this week, because we thought we were going to have a court case, and they moved it again. See, faith, your faith isn't justified by the outcome. Because I've seen God do the miraculous. I've seen God heal the sick, seen God do all those kinds of things. But faith isn't just for when the dead raise, but it's when they don't. It's when they don't. So it'd be really easy for me to tell you, yeah, we're going to come up here, we're going to believe the dead for right. But I know that there's some of you here that have sat there and you're looking at these dry bones and you're thinking, no. Or you're like Peter and you're in that water. See, our faith isn't defined or, or, or defined by or shown to have value when we get the outcome we want, but if in the end of all of it, if we're still walking with Him. You still believe. He's still good. Because your faith is there to help reconcile when things aren't going the way that you thought. See, I wasn't coming to this court case so that I could sit there and say, oh, we want justice. There's no justice in that situation. Doesn't matter if another man goes and he goes to prison for the rest of his life, or that they, or they beat him, or they waterboard him, or they do anything. It doesn't matter. It's not. I don't think there's real justice in that. So I don't know what to do in that situation. But I just thought. I said, you know, by faith, I'm just gonna. This is. I may never get an opportunity like this because I don't know where that man's heart is. I don't know. I can't imagine what his mind is going through, but I, man, to be able to go in there and look that man in the face and just tell him, hey, like God loves you, tell him the gospel, that's faith. It's faith. It's faith. You guys stand with me. Because some of you are sitting here and you're going, I don't know if I have faith. Just walk with him. That's faith. Some of you have got dry bones and I want to pray with you today. We've, I know that they've got a prayer team or something of that sort and they'll come up here. But I just want to give God the opportunity to put flesh on those bones. Some of you are discouraged, and it says, I think it's Proverbs, it says, uh, the heart deferred, or uh, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And I believe that God's going to begin to give you trees of life in your house. Amen. So I'm going to pray, and then you guys can just come down here if you'd like. But Father, we thank you. The faith.